Uh, let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles to Mark 6.30, and I'll begin reading. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat, excuse me, to a desolate place by themselves. Now, many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and the villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we, we worship you for your greatness and your splendor. But one of the things that ignites our heart in gratitude is the reality that you are our good shepherd. That you own us. That you cherish us, that you guide us and feed us and protect us, you know us, that you gather us. And Lord, we, as we gather here today, we know what we're doing is just anticipating the day when your whole flock will gather around your throne and worship you as our shepherd and our king. And so, Father, I pray that as we engage your word today, that you would help us to see with the eyes of faith and live for that day instead of just for the present. Father, as we uh, look forward to that, we, we also lift up David as he is preaching in Mingus uh, to uh, fill in for Pastor Mark back as he has not been feeling well. I ask that you would anoint David with your grace and your spirit and give him an effective ministry there at Mingus Baptist Church. Uh, we pray for Sammy and Jamie as they minister in song to uh, City View Community Church uh, in, uh, in the city. I, I pray that you would uh, pour out your grace through their uh, music and, 
And I pray that you would bless that congregation through their ministry. Father, we think of our brothers and sisters around the world. I think of the e-buyers in Thailand right now who are preparing to move to their permanent ministry location. And I I just ask that you would give them grace uh, with their neighbors and that you would just plant them there and make them an effective uh, couple for your glory there among the Isan people of Thailand. Uh, we, we think as well of our brothers and sisters right now in Afghanistan. We can't even imagine the kind of difficulties and terror that they are facing uh, every single day uh, with the unrest and the, the, the just outright evil that they are facing. And, and so, Father, I pray that you would pour out your grace into their hearts, help them to be faithful even to the point of death and to find that you are sweet, that you are satisfying, that you are enough, even in their darkest times. Lord, we uh, pray as well for those, uh, our neighbors to the southeast who are in the path of Hurricane Ida, and we ask that you would, Father, please protect them, uh, that you would keep everybody safe, and especially as they go through a time of, of kind of a COVID surge, and now this, we ask that you would just be merciful and show your glory by saving lives uh, today. Lord, I pray you'd open up your word to us and help us to understand who you are and have a relationship with you as a result. In Jesus' name, amen. On April 27th, 2017, the word sheeple was added to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Uh, how many of you have ever been called a sheeple before? Nobody likes to be called a sheeple. Uh, it was first used in print in 1945 by a journalist complaining that the government can get away with just about anything because the sheeple will stand anything, will, will just do anything that they're told to do. Now, nobody wants to be called a sheeple. Sheeple do whatever the government tells them to do. They believe everything they hear in the media. They follow a religious leader or a popular author without ever questioning their teachings or their character. No, we would rather be a sheep dog, right? It's not always popular. It's not always comfortable. It's not always easy to be a sheep dog. But at least the sheep dogs are free to think what they want to think. And so that's what we would rather be. Being compared to a sheep is not flattering, is it? Sheep aren't known for their intelligence. They follow a crowd. They walk into foreseeable dangers without a second thought. Sheep seem docile and compliant at times, but other times they are inexplicably and unreasonably defiant for no reason. And yet often in Scripture, that is exactly how all of us are described. It doesn't matter if you are the most passive, wet noodle of a worker bee or a muscle-bound prepper with enough firepower buried in your bunker to last a year-long siege. It doesn't matter. The Bible compares you to a sheep. Sorry if that offends you, but it's true. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. According to Isaiah 53, there is a place and a pasture where we were made to be and yet we wander obstinately away. For those who wish to rely on their strength and their intelligence and their wealth, for those people who really feel like, no, I'm not, I'm not a sheep, we're told in Psalm 49 that they are like sheep appointed to the grave 
and that death shall shepherd them into their final abode. In many ways, all of us are sheep. And yet for believers in Jesus Christ, this comparison is neither surprising or discouraging for us. It's an apt metaphor for what the gospel has already revealed about ourselves. Unlike many of our neighbors, anyone who is in Christ recognizes that he belongs to somebody else and not himself. That's part of believing the gospel. Anyone who is in Christ uh, recognizes we're his sheep, his people and the sheep of his pasture. He understands that he's prone to wander and stray. That, that, that the believer's not free without Christ, but a slave to his sinful desires. That he needs a savior and a shepherd. This is what we understand as believers in Jesus Christ. And so for the next five sermons, uh, I want us to meditate on the reality that our God is exactly that. He is the good shepherd. He, he's the shepherd we desperately need. We'll see that that reality, the, the reality of Jesus, that God, of God as a shepherd, is a healing salve for sin-sick hearts. And, and I'm excited about that because I need to hear it. But it will also challenge us in ways we may be too proud to desire. But for those who humble themselves under the mighty hand of God, who commit their way to the good shepherd, it will guide us to a place of greater joy and usefulness as we get to know our God better and better. Our good shepherd leads us even though we may wish to go our own way. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He protects us from dangers that we might not see. He, he gathers us when we are alone. And today, we're going to focus on the reality that he feeds us even though often we insist on feeding ourselves with that which is not healthy. And so today, that's where we want to focus. The good shepherd feeds his sheep. And according to the Bible, he does so in three ways. First of all, notice with me from God's word that the good shepherd feeds his sheep by taking care of their needs. He feeds his sheep by taking care of their needs. Did you know that the very first time that God is explicitly referred to as the shepherd occurs in the 48th chapter of the book of Genesis. Jacob, the father of the 12 men who would later become the 12 tribes of Israel, had reached the end of his life. And like his father and his grandfather before him, Jacob uh, uses his final days to exercise the prerogative of blessing as God's chosen patriarch. And he blesses his sons and he blesses his grandsons. He brought his son Joseph in and he blessed Joseph's sons in the name of the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd to this day. Think about what that must have meant to a man like Jacob. Uh, Jacob was himself a keeper of sheep, as was his father and his grandfather before him. He knew the meaning of the word. And as he looked back over his long life, he realized that through drought and difficulty, through famine and lack, through grief and loss, through seasons of sin and personal repentance, his God, his good shepherd, had guided him along the way and taken care of his every need. In fact, that's why he was in Egypt in the first place, because they were starving in Canaan and God had provided a way for them to be safe in Egypt. God had provided his daily food. He had fed him in a literal sense. And as we walk through the history of God's people, we see that from, from cover to cover in the Bible. God takes care of his people. 
He, he fed them with manna in the wilderness. He guided them to a good land flowing with milk and honey. He even cared for them in exile. When Jesus comes, not only does he preach the truth, not only does he display his great power and miracles, but in just about every case where he exercises his divine power in miracle, these displays of divine power are also tremendous acts of mercy and provision. I mean, think about that. He could have shown his power in any number of ways, and yet what does Jesus choose to do? He chooses to heal the lame, to cleanse the lepers, to, provide wa- uh, to, to, to change water into wine, to set a table in the wilderness for those who were hungry. A good shepherd cares for the needs of his sheep. In fact, this is the very thing that the prophet Ezekiel called out uh, in, in the leaders of God's people in Ezekiel 34. The kings and officials and the nobles uh, were supposed to be shepherds after God's heart. Here's what God says through the prophet Ezekiel. He says, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not the shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. God calls these men out. They were supposed to provide for the needs of the nation, but they were feeding themselves at everyone else's expense. This is one of the reasons, folks, why the world will tell you that people with power and authority are people that you need to be suspicious of. Because often in the world, this is exactly how it works. Instead of shepherds feeding the flock, they feed themselves and devour the flock. Haven't we found that to be the case in our world today? The boss uses his direct reports to advance himself. The congressman uses his constituents to increase his platform and even grow his wealth. The pastor... God forbid, and yet we know it happens, uses the church to build a personal brand. It's very common in the world for the shepherds to be people who devour the sheep instead of feeding the sheep. But this is what you need to know about Jesus. He is the most powerful leader with the most absolute authority. No one has more authority and power than Jesus Christ, and yet no one exercises that power and displays that authority more purely for the benefit of the sheep than than Jesus does. The good shepherd cares for his sheep. So what I want to say to you is that you can trust God to take care of your needs. You can trust him to supply every need you have, every single one. I learned this when I was a little child, and yet I need to keep learning it over and over and over again in my life. Haven't you found that to be the case? One day my dad came home, and he shared that he had lost his job, and I don't remember exactly how old I was. I guess I was the type of kid to sort of internalize that, th- that's, that kind of thing, and so I remember going to sleep that night just worried. Are we going to lose our house? Are we going to be living in the, under the bridge? You know, are we going to, what's going to happen? I could tell my parents were worried too. But that very week, I heard someone ring the doorbell. My mother opened the door, and there were probably a dozen people outside, and they were each carrying a grocery bag or two. And, and I watched as the people in my parents' Sunday school class brought those groceries in. They filled up the pantry, and, and in a moment when I thought we weren't going to have anything to eat, you know, which is a 10-year-old boy, you know, that's just about the worst, <laughs> And we were the kind of family that eats oatmeal for breakfast, you know, to, and, and not Quaker oats, like store brand oats. <laughs> 
And yet here in the cupboard, I, I looked, and there's brand name cereal. You know, the Lord provided for our needs. I was taught that same lesson uh, years later. Uh, several months after Mandy and I were married, I came home from work. She said, let's go for a walk. I could tell something was up. And she turned to me and she said, we're having a baby. And immediately, as a prospective dad, you know, you start to just, the calculator, the, the adding machine starts to ching, 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 you know, beep in your head. We didn't have insurance. I was finishing up college. I, I was only working part-time, school loans. I won't lie. I, was, I had some sleepless nights after that. And yet, nine months later, Brianna was born. I had a job that supported us. The bills were paid. The good shepherd had taken care of our needs. Folks, you can trust him. In fact, just to encourage each other, how many of you by show of hands can say, by experience, that when you literally didn't know how your needs were going to, to, to be met, your good shepherd came and took care of it? How many of you could say that by show of hands? Look around. Our good shepherd feeds his sheep by taking care of our needs. So let me tell you what that means for us. That means that you don't have to work seven days a week for months and months and months and months at a time just to pay the bills. Let's just get really practical here. You can follow God's prescription in the scriptures to work six days and rest every seventh. Now I understand there are sometimes exceptions to the rule because things come up. But that means that you can have a rhythm of work and rest. That also means that when you have a need, you can just ask. You can say, God, we need this. And, and either you can change my perspective or you can meet the need, but this is what I'm seeing. God, please be my good shepherd and provide. That means that, we, that you can be content with what you have. That you don't have to go and borrow a bunch of money just to get something that somebody else has to compare and keep up with the Joneses. Now, the room just got really quiet. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that many of us have a lot of unnecessary debt. Not because something came up and we had an emergency, but, be ju but just because we had to decide to go out and get the newer model. You see, we live in a world that says you need two cars, you need the expensive smartphone, you need a high-speed internet, you need to own your own home, you need that bigger apartment, you need to take that second job, you need the new clothes, you need the expensive gun, you need the fancy makeup. Folks, we don't need those things. Do you have food? Do you have clothing? Everybody in this room does, I can affirm. Thank you. Do you have shelter? Then did the good shepherd provide for your needs? The good shepherd feeds his sheep. He takes care of our needs. Secondly, though, the good shepherd feeds his sheep through the word. The good shepherd feeds his sheep through the word. Moses reminds the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that God had shepherded them through the wilderness and fed them with manna. Why? So that they might learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In Jeremiah 3, God promises his people that when they repent and return to him, he will provide shepherds to feed them with knowledge and understanding. 
In Mark 6, the passage we read earlier in the service, when Jesus sees these Galilean countrymen that had come from miles around to see him, he sets aside his plans for a day of rest and refreshment because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And Mark tells us in verse 34 of Mark 6 that he began to what? To teach them many things. In fact, this is the subtext of the passage itself. This this story of Jesus' feeding of the 5,000 is repeated actually in all four Gospels. It's one of the very, it might be the only one aside from the resurrection uh, that's repeated in all four Gospels. I didn't check that. uh, So if I'm wrong on that, I apologize, but I think it may be the only miracle repeated in all four. And it's not just about people eating food in the green grass. Yes, Jesus fed them physically. But the people, the point is, the gospel writers borrow language from the 23rd Psalm. The people are laying down on the green grass, and he's showing them that Yes, he's going to provide for their physical needs, but more than that, he's going to open his mouth and he's going to give them his word and he's going to provide for their spiritual needs. That he's going to guide them and feed them as the shepherd. And the sign, of course, is the multiplication of the loaves and and fish. There's a physical blessing that they get, but the real benefit to the people comes when Jesus opens his mouth to teach. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. Folks, this is so important. You need to eat to live. Not just physical food. You need truth. You need insight. You need wisdom. Uh, Each one of us is hungry for truth and insight. I mean, imagine trying to live in the world like an animal where you you literally don't have any knowledge of truth or or reality. We, We can't live that way. We need truth. And the world, each of us is hungry for this, and the world is filled with shepherds who are going to feed you all sorts of claims, and most of them feel like the truth because they're mixed in with so much that is true. And by the way, don't think too simplistically about this. Sometimes these messages that we are tempted to chew up and swallow and digest come to us not just in the form of statements, but in all sorts of forms, artistic forms, uh, art, music, Uh, through the way that certain values are rewarded and others discouraged by the example of people that we look to. And we we human beings are meaning makers. Someone said this, that we look at our world, we listen to our world, and we make meaning out of it, and we we eat it, and we digest it. And you're going to be tempted to find food for your mind and your heart in all sorts of places that may or may not be healthy for you. But the good shepherd knows what you need. And in his grace, he's provided a way for you to know him and to understand your world and to understand yourself. He feeds you with his word. And this is a meal that in the long run will be far more nourishing and beneficial to you than any of the insights that you find in the world. How wise is the sheep who says with the psalmist from Psalm 119, how sweet are your words to my taste. They are sweeter than honey to my mouth. So what does this mean for us, practically? It means in the first place, folks, that we must give careful attention to the things that we are feeding on in our minds. We must give careful attention to the food we are consuming. Never before in history have we had greater awareness of the way that 
uh, GMOs and MSGs and saturated fats and processed sugars affect our physical body. But it seems to me that never before in history have we been less careful about what we consume in terms of ideas and values. How ironic that is, how dangerous that is. When I was a kid, we used to sing, Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. How many of you sung that song as a little kid? And yet how easily we forget this lesson. We're grown now. We don't need that kid's song anymore, so we can eat poison? No. Be careful. Give attention to the things you're consuming. By the way, one of the areas requiring the greatest discernment is when an author or an artist uh, actually trades on the name of Jesus in order to feed you a message that may or may not be biblical at all. Be careful. Many a sheep has been led to a contaminated pasture by a charlatan making lots of money off the name of Jesus while offering a message altogether different from the Lord's. Here's what I'm saying. Watch what you eat. In the second place, we must eagerly devour what our good shepherd has given us in his word. There's reason why we read so much scripture together when we gather together as a church. If you've come here for a while, uh, you've experienced that. Why do we do that? It's because what we do in this room is a pace setter for what we do on Monday morning or Tuesday morning. And if you can't listen to a, a longer passage of Scripture on a Sunday morning when you're sitting in church, then how are you going to read and digest Scripture at 5.30 in the morning on Tuesday when you've got a whole day's work ahead of you? Some of you have probably wondered, why don't you spend more time talking about what's coming up? We need to know what's going on with the building. I mean, about these upcoming events. Why don't you make some more announcements? We need people to sign up for the events. And there's a very important reason why, I don't, why we guard our time. It's because as an under-shepherd, as the person, as one of the people God has appointed here at Indian Creek to, to, to feed God's flock, I want to make sure that when you leave here, you can say, we fed on the word of God today. We didn't allow ourselves to be distracted by this or that event. These good things that are taking place are the best thing. The Lord feeds his sheep, by giving them his word. Many of you fill similar roles. You aren't the chief shepherd, that's Jesus. But you do have a family, a Sunday school class, an Awana cohort. Uh, Sometimes this little flock will need advice. Sometimes they need to hear a good story or even a joke. But most of all, folks, what they need is this. They need to be fed true food. The truth of the word of God. Our good shepherd feeds his sheep. He takes care of their needs. He feeds them with his word. But notice in the third place, the good shepherd feeds his sheep. Folks, this is precious and so important. He feeds his sheep by giving them himself. He feeds his sheep by giving them himself. In John's account of the feeding of the 5,000, we're told that when the meal was over and the crowd dispersed, Jesus and his disciples, they traveled by boat to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, actually, Jesus, uh, the disciples go by boat. Jesus walks on the water, right? But then they get to the other side of the boat and, into Capernaum, kind of their home base, and the people find them over there. And John tells us that uh, they start to ask him, you know, Jesus, where have you been? And And they're real eager to hear from him. And Jesus calls them out and he says, the only reason you're following me, the only reason you're after me today is because you ate the bread and the fish. You want another meal. 
and you're missing the point. And here's what he says. He says, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. They're still missing the point. They still think, man, special bread, even better bread. Maybe it's like cinnamon and got butter on it or something like that. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. He said, the bread that I give for the life of the world is my flesh. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Ultimately, the good shepherd feeds his sheep by laying down his life for the sheep, by giving himself for the sheep. Jesus' arresting claims, claims that were so radical to the people listening that it led literally thousands of people to turn around and walk away and never follow him again, are a powerful metaphor for the kind of relationship that the members of his flock have with him. The laying down of his life on the cross is the ultimate means by which he sustains the life of his sheep for all of eternity. Listen, folks, let me ask you a question. Have you eaten this meal? Have you believed in the name of the Son of God? Have, has it become true for you that the bread of life causes those who believe to live forever? Some of you are here, and let's be honest, you're a lost sheep. You may not want to hear, but it's true. And you're wandering around the hillsides and you're munching on all kinds of weeds. And some of them taste pretty good, but they make your stomach hurt. And some of them fill you up, but they don't actually satisfy. Or maybe you're in a complete desert and you're starving and you're searching, but ultimately you don't, you, you don't need a little patch of grass to, to get you into the next day. Ultimately, what you need is a shepherd who will guide you and feed you and really take care of you. Now, in saying that, I recognize what that means. I'm saying, folks, I get this. I'm saying that you cannot take care of yourselves. I'm saying that you cannot solve your own problems, that you don't write your own ticket. I'm saying you don't even belong to yourself. And I would go a step farther. The fact that you want to be your own boss, that you want to wander out wherever your heart takes you, the fact that you don't need, think you need somebody else telling you what to do is actually the root cause of your problem. And it's ultimately going to lead you over a cliff. And I'm not exaggerating when I, when I say that. Actually, I'm pulling back. And what you need to do is to be found by the shepherd and taken up and carried back. The one who gave his own body for the life of the world. And you need to be forgiven of your sin and you need to trust him. He is a better guide to you than you are. There are others of you in this room that, that need to be reminded that if he did not spare himself in pursuit of his sheep, then there is nothing he won't do to keep you and protect you and provide for you until the day he takes you home. You may not be clinging to him all that tightly, but you can rest assured that if you are his sheep, then he is clinging to you with an ironclad grip. He is your shepherd. So folks, let's remember this. 
Let's remember who he is. He is our good shepherd. He feeds his sheep. He takes care of our needs. He gives us his word. And ultimately, he gives us himself. Would you pray with me? Father, you are so overwhelmingly good, I I can't even put it into words. That you would not just be patient with us and, and go after us, but at such a cost. Jesus, that you would give your life to gather your flock. God, thank you. That's what we want to say. Thank you. And Father, forgive us for being restless and not trusting you. Lord, I pray that you would make us in every way the sheep of your pasture. And if there are any here today who find themselves in that category of lost sheep, I pray that you would use this message, these people, to bring back the prodigal and to restore that which is lost. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.